Welcome to Life Beat, Red to Life of Michigan's bi-weekly podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gast. Happy Friday, everybody. It's August 24 here. Joining me today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Catherine. Catherine, welcome back. Thank you. Well, uh, this week I thought we'd talk about uh, our dear friend, Chelsea Clinton. Yes. And... I... Uh, it's been, a, it's been a long 24 years dealing with the Clintons. They won't go away, Catherine. How will we get rid of the Clintons? I have no idea. All right. Well, you get back to me on that. Um, well, uh, Chelsea Clinton was making the news because she was speaking at a pro-abortion rally to oppose the upcoming nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh, and his nomination hearings will start just after Labor Day. And during the rally, Chelsea Clinton was talking about the wonders of abortion. Yes. Spoiler, there are no wonders of abortion. <laughs> um, but her major point was that abortion actually helps us economically. And that actually helps women economically. That was just shocking for me to hear that. I, w I was like, did she really just go there? Yeah, so usually, uh, I guess, abortion supporters frame the issue as a matter of uh, rights and autonomy, mm -hmm. but she was going straight for straight for the almighty dollar there. Yep, it was very surprising to me. So uh, she said, she made a specific claim based on some research that because women had abortions, therefore they could get into the workforce and that therefore we are all $3.5 trillion richer. Right. Only on the backs of, what, almost 60 million unborn children. I know. I mean, and that's just a crazy assumption to make, like, abortion was the only reason that these women could enter the workforce. Right. I mean, you, you, could, you, could, go, you could go endlessly and list all the reasons that um, more women have entered the workforce as opposed to, say, back in the 60s or 70s. But, uh, you know, what we did is we didn't just criticize her. Um, you know, if you look at her from, from a from moral standpoint, she's saying it's okay to take the life of a human being if it benefits us financially, which is, I think, a horrible argument. I think you'd right. agree, Catherine. Definitely. Right. Well, um, really, economically, her argument doesn't make any sense either. No. Nope. So uh, what we did is, uh, you know, part of the problem is you hear a study and you go off and everyone says this study says this, but a lot of people don't really think about the second and third and fourth steps after um, whatever it is they're studying. So in this particular example, let's assume that every single woman who entered the workforce uh, between 1973 and today um, that Clinton was talking about, they only in the workforce because of abortion. So that every woman that had an abortion in that time frame was able to enter the workforce, which is, of course is ridiculous. Right. But we're being really generous to her claim. Well, um, if you add that up, that would be about 30 million women. Mm -hmm. But in that same time frame, we've had 60 million abortions. And so let's assume that all 30 million, of, you know, 30 million women have been aborted, that none of them would have joined the workforce, and that only the 30 million men would have joined the workforce. So even taking everything from its most generous generous uh, way possible to Hillary, or to Hillary. <laughs> oh dear. To Chelsea Clinton, 
Um, you traded 30 million women in the workforce for 30 million men who would have been born out right. of the workforce. And you end up with zero networkers. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And that's being as generous as possible. You know, Catherine, what, one of the biggest issues in economics is everyone thinks about the first step, but they never go, they never go on to the, the options. And that's really what right. economics is all about. It's mm -hmm. about you're going to do A, but by doing that, you're giving up B. Right. And so, um, and what bothers me is Clinton has a doctorate from Oxford University. Right. I'd say it's a pretty prestigious place. I would think so. But, uh, you know, missing this simple, basic economic point. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't stop just there with people joining the workforce. Actually, when you think about it, abortion hurts our economy in a very profound way. So we were talking about this at the office. Uh, when you think about Social Security and Medicare and major entitlements, a lot of young people, you'd agree, Catherine, believe right. it won't even be there when they're, when they're hitting retirement age. Which is concerning, for sure. Yeah, slightly concerning, these, these huge entitlement programs. Well, a lot of people don't realize that the reason that these programs are so insolvent is that it's not being paid through, you know, they don't save your money in Al Gore's lockbox to mm -hmm. pay you out later. What happens is they take that money from young people today. And what's the one thing that we're direly in need of and we're direly missing, Catherine? Young people. That's right. Um, you look at the numbers back when these programs were first initiated, there were a lot more workers per one person collecting Social Security or Medicare than there are today. And uh, now that the birth rate in America has fallen below uh, 2.1 children per woman, which is kind of the, the replacement rate to mm -hmm. just keep our population stable, uh, our population is actually going to be declining in the near future. Um, the only thing keeping it really increasing still is, is immigration and the fact that old people are living a lot longer thanks right. to advances in medical technology. But... You think about abortion, 60 million people are missing. That's 60 million people who would be under the age of 50, mm -hmm. uh, most of whom would be out of school and being productive members of our society. Yeah, I and mean, there's just no one to keep contributing to it anymore. Yeah, and so uh, when we talk about abortion's effect on the economy, it's, it's killing our economy. It's yeah. killing our next generations, killing our mm -hmm. people. And, and that's another problem that uh, Clinton makes, besides not thinking about the alternatives uh, to abortion, is she just treats these 60 million people as if they'd never exist in the first place. But right. they did exist. Yes. Well, it's, uh, you know, I'm not sure that we could ever get Chelsea Clinton to, uh, to become pro-life, although we'll keep trying. <laughs> uh, a lot of people responded and kind of debunked her claims uh, but, uh, you know, sadly, people get away with that. And um, actually, I saw one, our, our favorite Twitter troll, uh, Mr. Afraid. Yes. Look at this. If he <laughs> listens to the podcast, he's going to be so happy he got mentioned. Um, uh, was, we were arguing with him about this and uh, said, well, you know, actually, abortion makes individual women richer because mm -hmm. they don't have children to take care of. Therefore, they have more money for themselves. Oh. It's kind of it's, it's so the exact same moral argument, isn't yeah. it? But that's not true in the long run either because, again, you know, you, people don't think about that second, third, and fourth step. Okay, so if I'm not taking care of a child now, you know, I have more money. You, you don't have any children, Catherine. Mm -hmm. I have, 
I'm almost out of spending a lot of money on the diaper <laughs> stage, so it can be fairly expensive. But if you want to look at uh, children as either uh, money gains or money losses, right. children are a net benefit in the long run because, you know, um, again, you know, if you were expecting to, Mr. Afraid is going to want to collect Medicare and Social Security someday. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, then uh, children are kind of necessary for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And individually, though, uh, you think you're getting ahead by uh, having an abortion in the long run. No. Everyone else is making, not everyone else, a lot of people are making the same decision. And so collectively and individually, we're all poorer for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, enough of the Clintons for now. I guess so. I'm sure they'll rear their ugly sure head in the will. near future again. Well, uh, another person that we wanted to talk about, uh, Representative Brian Elder. Yeah, <sighs> yeah sad it is story. very sad. Very sad story, very frustrating. So uh, to give some backstory, Representative Brian Elder is a member of our state legislature in Michigan. He represents the Bay City area. He was a pro-life Democrat. A uh, very committed one. Back in 2016, in the primary election, uh, of all the Rights Life of Michigan Political Action Committee endorsements, his race was the only one in the primary that we were going head-to-head -head with Planned Parenthood. Right. And uh, we won that race, so we beat Planned Parenthood head-to-head -head in the Democratic primary. Right. We were feeling really good about it at mm -hmm. the time, feeling really good about it, and he seemed like he would be a great partner and maybe even help encourage other pro-life Democrats because honestly, um, you know, we need more than 50% of people right. to ban abortion. Yeah, you and need... it's exciting to have a pro-life Democrat. Right. And, um, and so, uh, just so frustrating. About, fast forward to about four months ago as uh, the Ireland PAC was going through the endorsement process for this year. And um, he was not responding, which was, you know, a little strange. Mm -hmm. But that happens, you know, candidates often get behind, they're busy. Um, but then just a few minutes after the filing deadline, literally minutes after the filing deadline, which yeah. means no other candidates can run for that office, um, we hear from him that he doesn't want to be endorsed again. Yeah. Which, okay, uh, all right, you know, occasionally that happens. Sometimes candidates, for whatever reasons, they have their own silly things. It's like, okay, okay, that's fine. But then it gets worse. Yeah. Uh, and in uh, the next day or so, uh, there's an article out in Gongwer, which is a newspaper, sort of, an online newspaper for uh, the Capitol, mm -hmm. a subscription only, but basically saying that, uh, well, I'm denouncing Right to Life of Michigan. Yeah. They're too political, says the guy who <laughs> wanted our endorsement right. two I mean, years ago. <laughs> um, right. And so, uh, okay, all right. So he criticizes us, and, and uh, obviously... He's running for leadership within the uh, House Democratic Caucus, and um, even though he denies it, we'll be fair to him, he says that it, my leadership race has nothing to do with me suddenly wanting sure, to uh, distance myself sure. from my life in Michigan. As we said in our blog, only a fool would believe that. Right. We don't want to use such strong words, but it's pretty obvious what happens um, generally when uh, you have candidates who abandon former stances. And this is unfortunately sadly true for a lot of the Democratic Party at the national, at the very top of the state ticket. Um, and we've seen it a couple times before. It's, you know, they buckle, they switch, they flip when there's something to gain personally. Yeah. Whether it's a bill or a personal uh, position. Which is sad. 
which is sad, you know, you're trading your beliefs in for for being a slightly more important person in politics. Right. You know, uh, let's be honest, how many people, no offense to our current Speaker of the House, but how many people could say who the uh, majority leader or the speaker or the minority leader is in the state house in Michigan? Yeah. It's a very small group of people. Right. Um, and so maybe he has some other ambitions beyond just being in leadership. He wants to maybe run for state senate and state office or whatnot. But uh, for whatever reason, he felt that that calculation was necessary, and so he just came out and uh, denounced us. Right. So we thought to ourselves, okay, <laughs> fine, he's just denouncing us. Maybe he'll still vote for pro-life legislation. Maybe they just made him you know, right. try to give us a black eye to appease the other members of the House. And then it gets yeah, really bad. It doesn't stop there. Really, really bad. So last week he introduces legislation, Representative Brian Elder, that is almost a carbon copy of what they did in California to attack pro-life pregnancy centers. Right, which is ridiculous. Pregnancy centers, Catherine. Yeah. So this legislation would basically require all pregnancy centers uh, who don't have license, which is very strange because actually most pregnancy centers have licensed right. medical staff, either a nurse or someone uh, working with them. But mm -hmm. it would require unlicensed centers to put this big disclaimer in all of their advertising. It has to be of the same size font or bigger, or bigger. than their yeah. message. So if yeah. you wanted to put a billboard that just said, choose life, mm -hmm. you would have choose life in this tiny little corner of the billboard and this gigantic paragraph uh, disclaimer saying, uh, basically, don't come to our center. Yeah. Which is, why would you, no. <laughs> well, the reason they do that is because they, they want them to effectively not be able to advertise. Exactly. That would be the abortion clinics want them to because right. pregnancy centers are cutting into their bottom line. With the, When a woman chooses instead to have her child, mm -hmm. that's at least $500 uh, or more exactly. depending on what uh, how far along she is that the abortion clinic doesn't have. And right. so they have a great financial interest in making sure that pregnancy centers aren't successful, even though, Catherine, they say that they're pro-choice. They say yeah. they want women to have choices, but when they want, when a woman decides that, goes to the pregnancy center and decides, yes, I can, with help, make it work, they don't like they that, don't choice. that choice. No, not at all. Uh, and so uh, Representative Adler's bill is, and we went up to it on our blog. You can go to our blog off of our website, rtl.org. And we compared California's legislation and his bill side to side because Representative Elder says, oh, my bill is not the same. Right. No. And um, you remember, California's legislation attacking pregnancy centers was just thrown out by the U.S. Supreme Court yeah. weeks ago in the case NIFLA versus Becerra. And so this bill has zero chance of surviving even a basic court challenge. Yeah. The only reason that you would introduce a bill like that, that you know has no hope of passing, is making a statement. Yeah. And so Representative Brian Elder wanted his statement for his uh, leadership race or whatever else, if you know he claims it's not for his leadership, but he wanted to make the statement that I'm attacking pro-life pregnancy centers. I mean, that's just, it's sad. I mean, to go like so, such a 180 turn on your views. In uh, how many months? Like four, four months. Four months. He went from I don't like right to life of Michigan because they don't help women. Yeah. To um, 
okay telling our staff in a meeting that okay i'll still vote for pro-life legislation i just don't right. want your endorsement to now i'm attacking people who actually help women because uh i, I don't know who knows there's no good reason to attack a pro-life frankcy center but nevertheless that's where brian elder wanted to go yeah well uh we had a, would you say it's a strongly worded to basically call? Yeah. Profile and Cowardice, I believe, I was the that. article that we put on our blog. Mm -hmm. Well, um, certainly we used some strong words in pointing out the, his flip-flop, but I think it's totally justified in this yeah. case, Catherine. Um, he, there's a couple different ways, you know, if he could have just left it at his uh you know attack saying that we're too political and we don't want to help women right and okay he could have left to that i'm just he could have just not voted for any of our legislation right he could have gone Stay over to the dark side and voted for abortion all he wanted yeah. um he, but he could have just done that but instead he decided to introduce this bill again a carbon copy of what they did in california this bill was written by the abortion industry that's not a coincidence. Right. He didn't come up with this concept on his own. Um, as we explain on our blog, the, the Supreme Court, in the majority opinion, specifically said this type of legislation is not constitutional. Yep. Um, but none of that matters. And four months later, Representative Brian Elder is, as we termed him, an abortion radical. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just crazy to me how that happened. Yeah, it, it, you know, um, we've had, in Michigan, we've had high-profile, uh, similar high-profile situations. Um, you know, you, you had Congressman Bart Stupak, who was holding the line on uh, Obamacare and preventing those abortion provisions, and then he caved. The, mm -hmm. the pressure was too much to bear, and he caved at the last minute. But Bart Stupak didn't come out and he attack. didn't attack pro-life no. pregnancy centers and say he's not pro-life anymore. Right. He didn't do that. Um, we, you know, we've had other situations too where it's it's been a, a long time in the coming. Um, we've had Republicans kind of do it uh, in our past. We've had you know we've had Democrats come mm -hmm. on on to our side in kind of a gradual process and end up voting for pro-life legislation uh, pro-life legislation, but. I don't think we've ever had in four months Such going extreme. from 100% pro-life to okay, I may be pro-life to no, I'm not pro-life at all. And you evil, yeah. you evil volunteers so helping extreme. women, we have to make sure you can't advertise your services, yeah. your help services, right. your free help <laughs> services for women. Your support. <laughs> That's right. Pregnancy centers make no money from the women. They give them, what do they give them? Diapers. And, and every pregnancy center is different, but diapers, formula, uh, child, clothing for the child, clothing for the mother. Education. Education help. Yeah. GED programs. Well, there's one center here that has a GED program yeah. in Grand Rapids. Um, all these services for free, and um, it's not enough for the pro-choice right. people. And, and now abortion radical Brian Elder. If he would endorse this kind of legislation, I think it's fair to say I don't think there's any pro-life legislation he would ever vote for. No. And the one thing that gets me is um, I, I would have wished that the reporter who kind of covered this in, in Gongwer would have asked him. Um, his one argument was, well, my legislation doesn't force pregnancy centers to advertise free abortions. And he can't do that because we don't have free abortions paid for by taxpayers in Michigan. We banned that in 1988. But 
if we were like California and we forced taxpayers to pay for abortions, would that have been there? If I had been a reporter, I would have right. asked them, well, you've changed your position on abortion. What's your position on tax funding of abortion exactly. now? Well, don't hold your breath on that. You're right. <laughs> Very frustrating. Um, again, and, and he announced that he started to announce his flip right after the filing deadline. So a pro-life Democrat or I couldn't uh, challenge him. Uh, it's a heavily Democratic district, so um, not always a, comp a competitive Republican doesn't always run, but there was no time for that either. Right. Um, you know, very cynical. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good word, word for it. And, and very cowardly in how he did it and the excuses that he makes, very lame excuses. Mm -hmm. And um, I suppose it's not too late for him, but after this, you know, how do you trust a guy not like that ever again? Yeah. And to be honest, if I were uh, if I were Planned Parenthood, I wouldn't trust him either because, you know, right. if it were advantageous to him, <laughs> is he going to flip right back to being pro-life, you know, the next chance he yeah. gets? So now he's kind of in no man's land. Mm -hmm. Sadly, too true for too many elected yes. officials. Right. All right. Well, let's switch gears. No more Clinton. <laughs> No more uh, political betrayals. This one is a bizarre story. Perhaps yeah, one of the more bizarre scary. ones I've heard. Very scary. So um, I saw this article in CNN. We posted on our Rights Life Michigan Facebook page involving the Mayo Clinic. Now, when I say Mayo Clinic, what comes to mind, Catherine? Um, a popular clinic. Popular. <laughs> For sure. Professional, famous, famous credible. Yeah. Um, I've had family members go to the Mayo Clinic and they've been diagnosed with conditions there that other doctors are not able to. Uh, prestigious, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the creme de la creme of the medical field. Uh, you know, the Cleveland Clinic also right up there um, frequently yep. mentioned with the Mayo Clinic. Well, in this CNN story, this girl um, who was over 18, right? Yeah, she was. Was basically being held hostage. Which... How in a hospital? That's just insane. Now, now we've you know, obviously we had the Alfie Evans case, uh, we had the Charlie Gard case recently that was in the United Kingdom. But you could get a sense that if a child is involved, there's some complicating factors here. But this was a per this was an adult, an adult, a legal adult, yeah. And uh, her parents and her wanted to leave the hospital. Yeah. Now. We obviously oppose, uh, this is semi-related, we oppose doctor-prescribed suicide, we oppose mm -hmm. euthanasia, um, so we don't believe, you know, we don't believe we can kill patients, but we do right. believe that if a patient wants to refuse treatment for, you know, then they can do that. Right. If they want to refuse heroic, extraordinary uh, treatment, that that's certainly a, a right of theirs that should be pretty, pretty sacrosanct. But in this case... Uh, the parents had to smuggle their daughter out of the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, and it wasn't even, I mean, it was just because they believed, right, that they had they were being treated poorly by the hospital. Right, they wanted a second opinion, which yeah. is very common. Yeah. And the hospital was refusing them to even leave. And so uh, what they did is they created a ruse to have her come down yeah. and go to the lobby. And they basically swiped her out of the lobby, shuffled mm -hmm. her into a car, and drove off. 
and they were on the run. And, and yeah, they were, this isn't like, you know, they were being overly dramatic and the hospital was just going to, you know, be mad. The hospital s sent a manhunt yeah. after them. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't just that the, the hospital wasn't letting them leave. It, they literally sent police to track yeah. down the parents. Yep. Now, um, I've seen cases like that in Europe where a child is involved. There was a very famous case where they actually sent a manhunt after the parents and actually uh, the parents' child um, survived only because they basically yeah. had to reverse kidnap mm -hmm. their their child. And, you know, you hear, I don't want to say conspiracy theories, but you hear tales about medical kidnapping. Mm -hmm. It's always children, though, but in this right. case, and granted... Uh, this young woman did have a brain injury, and so yeah. the hospital's argument was she had a brain injury, she couldn't provide care for herself, but... But it's not like she was, like, in a coma or anything like that. No, and, and she's since uh, recovered, so yeah. her parents uh, made the right decision, they got a second opinion. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, the police backed off when they found another doctor, but that's... I'm, I'm a little speechless. It is. The, I mean, if... I mean, it just feels like then you can't even trust a hospital. Like, what can you trust? Sure. And it's, you know, working here, you hear so many bad stories about hospitals and, and doctors that it's it's difficult not to become jaded right. and cynical. But mm -hmm. I've never heard of a manhunt for a patient who refused treatment. Yeah. Now... If this patient had wanted, uh, if this patient, say, lived in Oregon mm -hmm. and wanted uh, lethal medication to be given to him, do you think the hospital would have said no? Uh, no. Probably not. But because the patient just wanted a second opinion, um, the Mayo Clinic of all places. Right. Now, you know, we, the hospital was interviewed as part of the CNN story. Um, so, and I'm sure... You know, this isn't the full picture, and um, but I, can you think up a reason where a hospital can have an excuse to send a manhunt after uh, the parents of an adult yeah. who's refusing treatment? I cannot. No, and in this case, refu rightly refusing treatment right. because she's since uh, recovered. Um, it's it, it is concerning. And, you know, we've heard stories about hospitals in Michigan. We have legislation actually dealing with this in the state capitol where hospitals are putting guardians over incapacitated patients right. and basically stealing uh, care decisions away from their proper caregivers. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, you have conflicts, but, you know, what we really need is a Me Too movement yeah. for this issue because everyone has a story. Just today, or not just today, just this week, I got a call from a nurse and her husband who's a doctor, who they have um, a relative in Michigan, and they're concerned that if he goes to the hospital and there's not an advanced directive or whatnot, that he's going to be mistreated, maybe even, um, you know, his death is even going to be hastened. Yeah. And, and now these are, this is a nurse and a doctor. Right. Who don't looking trust from help for actual, us. Yeah. Their the own hospital. colleagues. They yeah. don't trust their own colleagues. Um, and I've heard that from medical professionals. I, I've heard it from former state reps. You, mm -hmm. know, these, you know, it doesn't matter how rich and powerful you are. 
Well, maybe you know what I haven't heard. I haven't heard a billionaire yeah, tell that story. So maybe I shouldn't yeah. say rich, but it, you know it doesn't matter if you are a colleague or a person um, with you know legal authority. You could end up victimized by a hospital. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah, I mean that's where you go to get protection for your health, and if you can't do that, then I mean where do you turn? Right, um, and I would encourage you all. We have a great story on our website. I don't want to say great, but it's uh, it's called uh, it's about Bob Tank, and his daughter is our legislative director. And so this is a legislative director mm-hmm. who has dozens of legislators on her phone. She can call mm-hmm. them up at any time, and they'll talk right. to her. Um, her dad had a advanced directive saying he wants treatment. Mm-hmm. They had a durable power of attorney. Um, saying that, you know, it was very clear. And he was conscious and expressing his wishes for care in the hospital. None of that mattered. The doctors basically wanted him to die, and that's what happened. So sad. Yeah, Bob Tank's story. Um, So I encourage you to check that out. You just Google it. Um, You can find it on our website. You know, this is a serious issue, and if you're listening to this, and if you have some story, if you've been wronged, um, you know, let us know. Um, We're working on legislation to deal with this, our Patient Protection Act. But, um, you know, we need to hear more stories. And, if you you know, people need to speak publicly about this. I think we all all kind of know that there's certain hospitals we want to go to. We all know about it, but we've not had the sort of same sort of public discussion that we've had about other issues. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully some of that changes in the near future. Yes, All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in two weeks. Enjoy the rest of your summer.